Welcome to the Lancaster Patriot Podcast. My name is Chris Hume, Managing Editor of the Lancaster Patriot. I'm joined today once again by Joel Saint, Pastor of Independence Reformed Bible Church. Joel, thanks for joining me. Always glad to be here. Podcast today is brought to you by Park Hill Jewelry, located in Ephrata. They specialize in custom-made designs to meet all your jewelry needs. For over 30 years, Park Hill Jewelry has been one of the most trusted names in jewelry in central Pennsylvania. Bridal sets, engagement rings, pendants, wedding bands, you name it, they have it. They're over at 5 West Main Street in Ephrata, or you can go to parkhilljewelry.com. They also buy gold as well. All right, Joel, today we want to get into the issue of roads and specifically a lot of the regulations on there. But I want to start first by talking about, I guess it was a couple weeks ago now, you and I were both at, at the prison, prison board meeting for Lancaster County. Uh, and there's a big turnout because they're focused on the new prison and a lot of interest in what's going on over there. But we had a chance afterwards to briefly talk with uh, District Attorney Heather Adams. Uh, and I wanted to mention a couple of comments that she made and we made and kind of tied into what we're talking about. But first of all, what was your kind of initial impression of that prison board meeting and the focus there on, on, on dealing with crime in the county? You know, what? something that really stuck out to me and still sticks out to me was um, during that discussion, during the public discussion, there was a lot of talk and even one of the judges spoke about uh, recidivism. And they also talked about um, cutting down the uh, population of the Lancaster prison. And, of course, I couldn't help but think, um, does cutting down the population, the prison population, does that, is that, does that correlate with cutting down on crime? In other words, less guy, people in jail, good, I think. Does that mean more criminals outside? Or does that mean less criminals outside? Shouldn't I be worried? Shouldn't it be better if there were more people in prison? And you know what? We don't know because we don't have a standard at all. Right, they didn't, and they didn't really, I think, I think you might have asked that to I, D- District Attorney Adams I, afterward, I, I did and she didn't know, did, yeah, and yeah. to be fair, it was on the spot, but yeah. that is a good question, you know, what's the standard we're using here? I mean, obviously, we've talked about prison in the past, and that it's not even a biblical concept, maybe a, a jail for a short holding period before you have to exit, yeah, sure. before trial and then execution if they're found guilty of a capital offense, but... Yeah, what's in, instead of dealing with the issue of, of crime and what the specific crimes are, the discussion is simply on prison population and getting them out of prison or back into prison. And one of the questions I asked, and we'll, we'll probably do more on this later, was, you know, what type, all these people that are in there for drugs, which I asked, and they said, oh, yeah, and, and the president judge was there, and he said, oh, yeah, most, most of the cases, I think he said, were related to, to drugs. Now, of course, he'll say, well, some of them were violent crimes connected, some of them were dealing um, but again, I wanted to know, you know, what percent of these people are in there. They didn't have those numbers handy either. So it, it seems, you know, these are really important issues that I would have hoped for a little more clarity on, even on the spot, if that's, that's what you're doing. Yeah, no, no question about that. And, and one, of the, one of the interesting questions that, that came up, or, or one of the interesting points, they brought it up. One of the uh, officials from the prison uh, brought up the uh, recidivism rate nationwide, not not like Lancaster County necessarily, 65%. Uh, <laughs> Chris, <laughs> can somebody ask at some point how's it working? I mean, we can talk about this a little bit more later, I'm sure, because we got specific with it with Heather Adams just a little bit. But one of the things that told me that we're dealing with a faith commitment here, in other words, we, we, we don't believe the Bible, 
We have a faith commitment that the best thing we can do is place someone in prison mm-hmm. who's acting, uh, I, I, I don't know if crime is even a word anymore, antisocial behavior, right? So uh, they were taught, we heard a lot of talk about cutting down the population, and this program and that program, and, and Chris, I'm 65 now. I've been hearing about cutting down the prison population programs all my life. Right. But we got a new one. You, you know, we're, we, we, we just keep having a new one here, right? And we got, I, and I even forget what they were. That's how much it affected me. But some new program, some, some psychological thing, and I think somebody said about uh, yoga program right. for the women. Right. <laughs> They're yeah. doing yoga now. Right. Uh, that, that'll, that'll keep me out of prison. <laughs> my word, yoga. <laughs> Oh, man. But anyway, but then we find out that the new prison is going to be a lot bigger than what we have now. So are we cutting down on prison population? Right. Right. What, what, what's up, Chris? Right. Right. Yeah, a lot, a lot there. And I think we'll have to revisit this. But we talked after that meeting briefly with, with District Attorney Adams. And, and I know it was a brief interaction. And so, you know, she's probably trying to be a bit defensive in her response, understandably, to two guys whom she doesn't know. But it was interesting, some of the discussions. I mean, I think you initially started by asking her about that connection between the prison population and crime. And in the moment, she didn't, she didn't know yeah, the connection. Yeah. I right? asked her if there's a, a necessary connection between the amount of people in prison and the amount of crimes being committed outside the prison. And she said she has no access to that kind of, that kind of information. Okay, well, hopefully we can, we can get that information or she can get it. But another thing that, as we got into it, we started talking a little bit more uh, about just criminal justice, if you will, in general, from a biblical perspective. And a couple times there, I know I said something, and she responded and said, well, you know, that, that's a broad statement. Uh, I think, for example, I, I probably said, uh, you know, the reason that crime is as bad as it is is because we're not punishing it. Right? And I, I quoted even Ecclesiastes 8.11, I believe, where it says, because the sentence against an evil deed is not carried out, the, ch- the hearts of the children of men are fully set to do evil. Uh, carried out swiftly. Carried out swiftly, yeah. yes. Yeah, carried out swiftly. Yep. So, okay, I'm going to stop there for a second. Their, their heart is set on doing evil. Now, right. now, now there's a concept that I would, I, I would ask if anybody in the criminal justice system believes that anybody's heart is set on doing evil. They're just all making mistakes. They really do want to do the right thing. No, the scriptures say differently. There are people out there who don't sleep, Proverbs 1 says, unless they have done mischief. Right. And uh, let me actually read this. And it's, uh, let me find it here because I want to get the correct quote from Ecclesiastes chapter 8, verse 11. Because the sentence against an evil deed is not executed speedily or swiftly, the heart of the children of man is fully set to do evil. So, set to do evil. So yes, you could say, yes, that's a broad statement, but I think it's a true statement. Yeah, who cares if it's broad? <laughs> right. Who cares if it's true? So, so I think, one, I, I'm trying to remember one of the other comments I made, um, but she said, you know, these, these are broads. Oh, I think it was, yeah, this was the other comment. Civil government should not be in the business of rehabilitating criminals. She said, well, you know, these are broad statements, and I appreciate her interacting with us, but I just wanted to, to talk about that a little bit, you know, because, yeah, they're broad statements, and that was kind of used as a way to say, and that's kind of a conversation ender in some sense, like, well, you're, you're just saying broad things. It's more right. complicated than that. Right. It's right. way more nuanced, and you're saying these things, but my point is, District Attorney Adams doesn't have a problem with other broad statements, 
If I were to say, hey, it is the government's job to rehabilitate criminals, she wouldn't have a problem with that statement because that's what they're doing. So the issue is not the broad statement. The issue is what the statements are. Um, You know, they are happy with the broad statement that the civil government should provide housing for those in need, right? And we would have a broad statement that says they, they shouldn't. So... That is that was that was I, I get it. It was kind of a on the cuff thing, but it was twice that she made the comment that, "Hey, this is a broad, it's a broad statement, and, and it's way more nuanced than that." What were you thinking when you heard that? Yeah, I, I was thinking, I don't care if it's broad. I care if it's actually true. Right. But I was also thinking, like like you just said, this is kind of a convert. If it's not an absolute conversation ender, it's a conversation damper, because suddenly now we're supposed to switch. Right? Oh, that's not a broad statement. So we're talking about our statements than about the issue itself. And that is a thing that happens all the time. I, I, you know, we, I think of the argument that, uh, that uh, Nicodemus got into. I know we've mentioned this before there in John chapter 7, where he questions the authorities, the Sadducees' authorities there over Christ. And he says, doesn't our law ha- hear a person before it condemns them, right? And they basically say, you idiot, are you from Galilee too? What, what's that, the discussion now? Is Nicodemus from Galilee? When it started out with a legitimate discussion, let's hear a person before we condemn them. I see the same kind of thing right there, like, oh, that, that's, that's a broad statement. Well, okay, what? answer that, right? right. No, it's not broad. Yet, yet, yes, it is broad. Who cares if it's broad? Don't we care if it's true or not? And so I was, you know, I, was, I mean, again, to your point, you know, two guys just come up and talking, but she is a district attorney. She knows how to argue. Uh, she's argued more than I probably ever have or ever will. That's true. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And so, yeah, here's another broad statement. We, we need a prison in the county and a larger one to solve, you know, to deal with crime. So, yeah, there's nothing wrong with broad statements. We can start with broad statements. In fact, we, need, we always start with broad statements. In any sort of argument, you start with the generals and you get down to the specifics. So... Uh, there's nothing wrong with broad statements. Uh, District Attorney Adams, I would submit, doesn't have a problem with broad statements. The question is what the statements are. And so we have a, we have a broad principle or statement that we want to apply today. I've I got a broad <laughs> statement for you, Chris. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Amen. How, how's that for a broad yeah, statement? Yeah, that's pretty yeah, broad. Christ Jesus came in the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. That's right. How about, how about that? Yeah, amen. Um, <clears throat> and... Another broad statement from Scripture, the principle from Scripture, is that the civil government should be punishing evil. All right, that is their role. Romans 13, I'm sure we'll get into it. So today, I want us to talk about applying that principle, and that's one of the things we try to do here, is take the broad principles of Scripture and apply them to what's happening, current events, as in the county as often as we can, in general, in the realm of civil government, but also in other areas. And I want us to talk about the roads of serfdom, okay, the roads of serfdom. Now, for those familiar with the history of the conservative movement in America, um, the t- that title, The Roads of Serfdom, may remind you of uh, Hayek's book, The Road to Serfdom, which was published in 1944. So in that book, he, he talks a lot about the issue of, of centralization and control. Right? And he says that uh, independence, self-reliance, and the willingness to bear risks are virtues that are less esteemed and practiced back then. So, I mean, basically, his, his argument was that the response to Hitler and World War II, that even in, in England, they turned very, very quickly to socialism. And the issue was, to him, wasn't really 
the specific ideology, but, but centralization and state control. And that was a problem both in Nazi Germany and it was a problem in socialistic states. So um, <clears throat> the issue here under the title of the roads of serfdom, serfdom is one application uh, of a biblical understanding of society. But I also think there's some application to what Hayek was talking about. So this is a quote from Gerald O'Driscoll Jr. He said, Hayek's thesis in the road to serfdom is that one intervention inevitably leads to another. The unintended consequences of each market intervention are economic distortions, which generate further interventions to correct them. That interventionist dynamic leads society down the road to serfdom. Okay, so Hayek's issue is interventionism. The government is getting involved, and primarily he was mainly looking at you know, markets and, and things like that. But he's saying the more government gets involved, the more interventions are necessarily going to follow. I mean, we saw that with the prison board meeting. Okay, we're going we're gonna to rehabilitate. Now we're going to have this. We're going to have that. We're going to have that. But as it comes to the issue of roads... Uh, yoga pants, don't, don't forget. Right, yeah, yoga. Yeah, we need yoga programs. Yeah, yeah. Which... Uh, uh, I'm sorry, I'm going like, to beat you to death. <laughs> You're going to be talking, I'm going to say yoga. No, I'm just kidding. I'm yeah, kidding. well, I did ask that District Attorney Adams, actually. I think you might have stepped away about the yoga thing and if there's any religious... Because I think yoga uh, has a lot of religious connotations to it. Now. And she said, oh, I don't know, because there, there was a program that they're putting into the prison that I, I would think has some, you know, religious uh, overtures there. So anyway, we'll have to do another episode on yoga, Joel, okay? <laughs> so wait. So yeah, we, we're, we've talked a little about roads in the past, and you actually just did a podcast on the Think and Reform podcast dealing specifically with the issue of roads and should the government be, be building them and managing them. Uh, and we're not going to get into all that today. I kind of want to take a different look, but the reason we have so much intervention happening on our roadways is because we have first allowed the government to get involved and take over the road. So I think that's an important point that you've addressed it elsewhere. We can address it briefly, but if the government isn't managing all the roads, then you don't have the opportunity for what we're going to talk about today, which is now that the government controls the roads, what are they going to do to those that are traveling on the roads? Okay, so now some people are going to think we're going to be nitpicking here because we're going to be talking about, for example, you know, is it, is it just that the government finds you money because you didn't put a piece of metal on the back of your vehicle? All right, we're going to talk about registration, driver's license. We're going to get into those specifics because we need to apply the broad principles of Scripture down to the specifics. And some people are going to say, well, you guys are nitpicking here. Like, you're, you know, you're uh, swallowing a, 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 what is it? Straining the Straining net, swallowing yeah, camel. Camel. yeah, you guys, but hopefully we're not. Hopefully we're trying to look at every issue. But that, the, but that we should be straining out everything eventually. We should be dealing with the big stuff and also dealing with the, the application here. So that's what we need to do. It's our responsibility to teach our children and those around us the Christian worldview. And we don't do that by ignoring what's happening. And so we're going to see this issue is happening all around us all the time, and we need to have a Christian response to it. So recently, we're not going to get into the, the specifics of, of the, the story, but we did a story of a, a gentleman in, in Lancaster County um, that is driving without a license or registration. And I, I just wanted to share one response uh, to, to that story. And I want to deal with the main principles today, not the specifics of that, ex- that specific story. But someone wrote in and said that you, this, that, that story was, uh, should, it was a hogwash uh, and complete dishonesty or that type of practice, to, to drive without a registration or a license. And she said that the man be- belongs behind bars. 
So that kind of gets us to the heart of the matter here. I mean, if you're driving without a license, if you're driving without registration, if you're driving without insurance, how did we get to the point where those are now things you're going to be fined for and you have people saying that you should go to jail if you don't do those things? So I want to go through some of these penalties, Joel, Joel but let me just start off by give me your thoughts, and I know there's a lot of information. What we're talking about here is, is the roads of serfdom, how the government is really controlling uh, what happens on the road by forcing us to pay to have a vehicle, forcing us to pay to be able to drive it on the road, forcing us to pay if we don't uh, meet their regulations on putting a piece of metal on the back of our car. What's your initial thoughts with this? You know, you know my initial thought is, goes back to, um, what, nearly 50 years ago in driver ed class. I can't believe I'm saying that. And um, so my driver ed teacher t said this. He said, when you are taking your exam, I don't even know how they do exams so much anymore, but apparently there was, back then, there were some, I guess, verbal exams or maybe written exams. And, and he said this. He said, you will fail the test. There's a question that, that they'll ask often, is driving on Pennsylvania roads a right mm. or a privilege? And, and, he, and remember, him tell us, you will fail the test. I was like 15, 16 years old. Wow. If you say, if you answer that it's a right, mm. you will automatically fail. Wow. If you say it's a right. No, it's a privilege. So, you know what? They knew what they were doing way back then. Wow. You know, because the statement is, hey, you know, let's have public roads so that everybody can drive. Right. And what they mean, what they meant the whole time, Chris, is everybody that we give permission to. Right. And that's what registrations and licenses are all about. They're all about permission. And why? Why should I have to have permission to drive on the road to see my neighbor? Right. I, I mean... I want to put the. I want to ask this question. I mean, where's the burden of proof here? Mm -hmm. Where in in God's law do you get the idea that I have to ask the state to travel anywhere? Where where is that? Where do you come up with that? I would ask that question right out of the box. Yeah, and that's a great question, and I want to get into it. And that's I, I want people to think about this because I know initially people are going to say, "You guys are talking about driver's license registration." We need to obey everything the government says, and we're really not talking about that specifically yet. We're talking about here, where, where does this worldview come from that, that we would say that it's, it's just and righteous for a government to do this? And then that worldview leads to people saying someone should be behind bars because they drove on the road without a driver's license. Nobody was harmed. Nobody was injured. No moral law was broken, but that person should be behind bars. Now, that is an issue we have to deal with. If we have people claiming the Christian worldview, saying things like that, something has gone wrong. And so when we, when we look at these penalties, I'm going to go through some of these penalties, I want us to ask these questions. What, what law of God or even principle of God's law has been violated in these instances? And where is the harm? So if the state is going to be authorized to punish, in this case by forcing you to pay money, money that you worked for, your property, uh, I want to know what moral law has been violated or what harm to my neighbor has been done? Because those are the two things we see in Scripture for which the state can punish. And it's, it's not even every moral law. It's, what, it's In Scripture, it's, it's, it's laid out. You know, here's what the state has authority to punish. And it's either a, a, vi a violation of the moral law of God, a high-handed sin against God, or uh, harm to neighbor, which also violates the law mm -hmm. to love your neighbor. So yeah. I want to know what, what, where do these things fall into that category? I don't think they do. The other thing, and I didn't know you were going to bring that up from you know, back, back in the day there and what they said, the right and privilege, 
But yeah, I mean, one of the planks of the Communist Manifesto is that the state controls communication and transportation. That they, they have a control on that. And that's what we see, to a degree at least, with this. They're, they're controlling it. They have the monopoly on it. If you want to drive on these roads, you have to pay us money. Yeah, yeah. Because it's, we own them. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what, you know, the state argues compelling state interests all the time. Right, and um, we we had rules on our home on our home school when our children were in school, uh, that that we had to submit our our, our you know topics and all this kind of stuff to uh, someone from the local public school, right? And that was because th- there's a compelling state interest here, right? Oh yeah, okay? that, that's a very broad statement. Yeah, that's, <laughs> how can you get more broad? Than that's a compelling state interest, right? And, and and I I remember thinking I have no I have no compelling interest myself right of course uh, we have these children right we don't we we wouldn't care at all if they learned to read or write uh, or, right. or or add and subtract multiply and divide that that means nothing to us um, but thankfully the state is there to compel us because it's compelling state interest what okay leaving that aside for a second what's a compelling state interest in whether or not I drive my car to see my neighbor. Mm-hmm. Where's the compelling state interest there? Now, we have people now get, uh, up in arms saying that with the new cars, computers and so forth, the state can turn off your car. I don't know if you've heard that or not, but there's mm. there's this worry that the state could shut down your car by flipping a, f- flipping a, a switch somewhere and shut your car down. Well, what are we so upset about? Is that not just the next stage? I mean, if they're already saying you need our permission... Yeah, they can, sh- they can, they can shut your car down non-electronically now by pulling you over and towing it. Yeah, yeah so what's, what's the difference? Why are we upset about this? Right. And we've accepted this right. before. And that's the problem with, with Christian, the, the church today. We have, we have adopted a humanistic approach to society, and we have no means to, to deal with, with these things. Right, we have no standard at yeah. all. It, it bo- Other than I don't like it. Yeah, it bothers our sensibilities and it goes against what our experience and tradition, but on what basis could, could we say, well, the government shouldn't be able to electronically impound your car? Yeah. We already give them authority to impound it physically. Sure. Compelling state interest. Compelling state interest, yeah. So, all right, I want to get, get into some of these penalties and I want us to go back to Romans 13. We're constantly going to be going back there eventually, but uh, so... so Let's just talk about the penalties briefly. I was, there's a lot of them. I was going to print out Title 75 on vehicles, but it would have been 761 pages. Oh, so wait a minute. That's when the Pennsylvania. I, when, 761 pages. When I went to get my driver's license, they gave me a book about this thick. Right. Now they're coming at me with, what, 761 pages? Well, they, you know, they're not going to tell you probably all the laws, right, just because, you know, we're breaking laws all the time. But, and this is, the, you know, oh, God's law is onerous, people say. Oh, God's oh, yeah, law yes. is burdensome. Right. 761 pages just for the vehicle code in Pennsylvania. <clears throat> um, but well, I, This isn't even driving. This is just, it, well, this is driving, right, or is this condition of the vehicle? I don't know if it's going to be talking about, like, how, what to do at a stop sign. Okay. This is more, I think, like, legally what you need to do to, to operate a vehicle. Okay. So, you know, we're going to t- mainly I'm going to talk about three things right now. Insurance, okay. driver's license, and registration. All right, and I think those three things will be covered in there. But, um, so the code, yeah, where is it? I printed out the first page, but probably lost it now, um, of the vehicle code. But let's just talk about insurance. Okay, so this is from valuepenguin.com. I just tried to find some information here. Drivers in Pennsylvania are required to maintain financial responsibility, which means carrying car insurance with no-fault medical benefits and so on. If you cannot provide proof of insurance, the state will automatically suspend your driver's license 
and registration and fine you $300, all right? So again, we're gonna come back to this. What, what crime has been committed? What moral law has been violated? And what harm has been shown to a neighbor? Uh, Anything you can see there? Uh, you you oh, drive over oh, oh, three. Oh, three. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so under state law, that's the harm. I mean, <laughs> yeah. You, you you get in your car, you drive to you go over to see your your son, you get back in your car and drive home. You didn't harm anybody, right? You didn't violate any of God's moral laws, but yet you did not have insurance, and so the state has the authority to fine you and tell you you are no longer allowed to drive on their roads. We're gonna come back to that, okay? Um, you can waive your suspension if you pay $500 plus a $94 reinstatement fee. Again, all these things, this shows you this is not about justice. It's the same thing with all these other cases. They do not care about justice. All it is is about, and this is what I asked my wife the other day. We were talking about this. I said, I said why, why, why does the state care if I get in my car and drive down to Turkey Hill and buy some ice cream and come home? What does it matter to them? She said, money. Uh, the money. The money. The money is. Just get the money. That, so they don't care. It's, this is not about what's just. Because you say, okay, well, yeah, you can, you can pay, five, pay an extra $500 or $200. I'm not sure if it's $200 or $500 more, if it's from $300 to $500, plus about $100. And then your, your license uh, will still be suspended, but this may help you if your family members need to drive the car. So I don't know. All these things that, all these loopholes and stuff, whatever. Um, Downright benevolent. Yes. All right, now we move on to driver's license, okay? okay. Is driving without a license illegal? From P PittsburghCriminalAttorney.com, under Pennsylvania law, no person shall drive any motor vehicle unless the person has a driver's license. When someone violates this law, he or she may be charged with driving without a license. This is a summary offense punishable by $25 to $200. Uh, and then you can be punished for not carrying your license, but then you have a certain amount of time. You still may have to pay a small fee. Or for driving without a license... Uh, and uh, then you can get charged more, and who knows what else can happen, okay? And then finally, registration. In Title 75, Section 1301A, driving unregistered vehicle prohibited, no person shall drive or move, and no owner or motor carrier shall knowingly permit to be driven or moved upon any highway, any vehicle which is not registered in this commonwealth, unless the vehicle is exempt from registration. Okay, and of course, there are costs forgetting all these things. So these are the penalties for it, but none of that, you got to pay to get your driver's license. You got to pay to register your vehicle. And I just moved back into the state and that was not cheap for three vehicles, paying the state for the right to have these vehicles in the state. So. And I guess you would be a criminal if you didn't do that, right? I mean. Certainly according to this, you'd be breaking, you'd be breaking the law. Okay. Uh, it, um, if I drove, if I drove it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so. That's what we're talking about here. Um, well, if you're not a criminal, you're like some type of an offender. Right. Like, like I should be offended, I guess, right? If you drove your car and it wasn't registered, right. you are an offender, I, I should be offended, I guess. Right. right, and according to at least one email we received, you should be behind bars as right. well. Right, So with, with murderers and whatnot. <laughs> Well, they can go. They can. Yeah, that's right. There's a guy who parks in front of a fire hydrant. All right. Um, real quick, this is from the Pennsylvania State Constitution. It says all proceeds from gasoline and other motor, motor fuel excise taxes, motor vehicle registration fees, and license taxes, operators' license fees, and other taxes imposed on products uh, for transportation after providing therefrom, all right, they're going to be used for the first thing it lists for what all this money is going to be used for. Um, is the bureaucracy 
of the system. All Number right. one, cost of administration and collection. Oh my! So, so we're we're gonna we're gonna make you pay all this money, and we're gonna also, uh, if you don't do it, we're gonna pay fine you more money, and we're gonna use all that money to offset property taxes. No, number one thing, in order to allow us to keep doing that, that's what the Pennsylvania State Constitution, and then it goes on and says, oh, and also. Uh, payment for, for reconstruction of highways. That gets into your podcast you did on Think and Reform. The, the government's going to take care of the roads, so now we need you guys to pay for it. Whereas if you had an, uh, the market dealing with it, the users would be paying for it. You guys talk about that, and, and we talked about it briefly on one episode. You talk about it on Think and Reform. I'll link to that. You know, you know, I can't think of why I need to pay taxes to maintain the Alaska Highway. Right. Um, how about the people that Right, go on the Alaska, or even, or even, you know, something up in Butler County, Pennsylvania. Sure. That, that yeah. if you want to go up there, so yeah, in the market, if you allow the market to deal with it, the people that use it will pay for it. But it's just interesting. The first thing it lists here is we're going to pay for the bureaucracy that we created to to find all these things. So that's what happens when you adopt a humanistic approach. And again, I know that this may seem so foreign to people. Why are you guys even questioning license registration and insurance? You know. You're supposed to be Christians, and we're supposed to do whatever the government says. Mm-hmm. Well, I want if we have time, I want us to briefly get to that in a minute, but I really want us to first to understand what's going on here from a biblical perspective, that if you were sitting here and you had an open Bible and you said, okay, what should the civil government be doing? Uh, can we, on God's word, stand on the authority of God's word and say, this is not what God authorizes civil government to do? That's the first question I want people to answer. And then once you get that and understand that, you're not going to say that, oh, this person should be behind bars for not driving with, with a license. Um, let's just briefly, I want to get into some principles uh, on this, but let's talk about the insurance thing, first of all. Okay, just real quick. What, what would it look like in, in how, how should it be? Because um, the people are going to say, well, if people are driving without insurance, then they're going to get an accident and uh, they're, not, they're not going to be able to pay for the damage. So uh, what, how do you deal with that? Um, from a biblical perspective, you, you drive down the road, you don't have insurance, you, you don't get in an accident, you don't cause any harm, why are you being punished for not having insurance? And what would it look like in a righteous society where insurance isn't required, doesn't mean you can't have insurance, and, and you are driving down the road and you do cause harm? So just address that objection a little bit to say, well, if we don't enforce insurance, everybody's going to be, you know, there's going to be chaos. Yeah, once again, we're, we're running to this thing where private people come up with a solution, insurance, right. and the next thing you know, there's the state to force it on everybody and act like it's their idea the whole time. Right. It, it, it's, it's, it's a maddening situation. And not only in Pennsylvania here do, we have to, or, or, do I have to carry insurance, but a certain amount of my money when I carry insurance goes to uninsured motorists. Right? right? So wait a minute. You have a law that says I have to have insurance. What am I carrying insurance for uninsured motorists for? Is that not an admission that, you're, that your whole law, your whole code is complete nonsense, quite frankly? But, yeah, I can, why, why is it that I might carry insurance or I, or, or I might not? You know, I can, I can, if I want to, I can carry uninsured motorists if I want to or not. Right. It's my loss. But see, again, this is a tacit statement, maybe it's not so secret statement, that really the, the state really kind of owns everything. And if somebody hits you and don't have insurance, it's really not your problem. It's, it's kind of the state's problem here mm-hmm. because they're, they're behind everything. And, you know, it, it, we, we, in, in the state we live and move and have our being. So if I have something that harms me, 
while I have no redress other than go to the state, I suppose. So after a while, the state is becomes the safety net that undergirds every single thing. If, if insurance itself, if it were to be completely competitive without state mandates, mm. I'm sure it'd be a whole lot cheaper, Chris. It's pretty cheap already, but yeah, it, yeah. I'm sure it'd be even cheaper because right. they'd they'd have to compete at some point. Right, but, but if you force it on everybody, yeah, yes, yeah. hey, you're buying it from somewhere, bro. Right, you know, we're sitting in my office now. Might as well, t- might as well take care of it. Right, and so again, getting back to this idea that you know, it's like seatbelts, for example. Right, seatbelts is an idea that private people came up with to sell cars. Right, right. Next thing you know, seatbelts are mandated. Right. And I, I saw one particular bureaucrat uh, on, on TV one time saying, yeah, 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 we're, we're going to crack the whip on people that don't, don't wear seatbelts. Hey, bro, you know, if no one would have invented seatbelts and none of you bureaucrats that you're supporting here with our fine money, right. none of you thought of, of seatbelts, right. but a private person who wants to make money thought of seatbelts and now you're trying to take credit for it. I believe this is an awful lot of what's behind even Christians misunderstanding things. Do they know that it was private people that came up with so many of these benefits for us? But no, they're statist also. And they're like, hey, if it wouldn't be for the state, then there'd be no such thing as insurance, no such thing as seatbelts. Right. Yeah, and the idea with insurance is from a biblical perspective of, of restitution. Yes. Right? Like, I, I, I want to have insurance because I know that if I do get in an accident, I want to make restitution for the harm I've caused. And so insurance is a, is a private option, a voluntary option that I can pay money to this organization um, and they'll be able to pay out yes. the harm, the damage that I caused. Now, if, it's, if, I, if I, my negligent actions lead to someone's death, uh, the insurance can't cover that. And, and there would be a biblical principle for that, that, that you know, I would be held accountable for, for, for manslaughter. So. Yeah. That's what, we need, that's what we should be dealing with here. Again, and, if, and the, those people out there that are... The other thing that was mentioned you know, in, in that email was if everybody out there didn't, you know, drove without a license, drove without registration, drove without insurance, which I don't think... Every, I, don't think I think a lot of people would have insurance because I have insurance for stuff that I'm not required to have insurance for in my life. So, um, or at least I have. I don't know oh, if I do. Wait, wait, you, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. You have insurance for stuff you're not required to, the state, and you have it anyway? Right, a lot of times... Why, or, would, you, why <laughs> would you do that? Right, so whether it's insurance or a protection plan or anything like that, that in the market you can make that decision that you want to be protected from uh, you know, harm or, or any sort of decision that you, you change your mind or something. So you can have those things. But my point here is if people say, well, it would be chaos out there if everybody was driving without a license and registration... And insurance, like I said, I don't think that's going to happen. But my is would would there be chaos, right? Because the people out there that are driving recklessly, that are driving intoxicated, are they again? This goes. Are they following the laws anyway? Right. <laughs> like they don't care about the registration and the driver's license thing. Um, so and they might even have a license. Yeah. So that's not the issue. The issue is. Are, are we going to have the state punish evil, or are we going to have the state control everything? And that goes back to Hayek uh, dealing with socialism and saying the road to, to serfdom is giving the state control of everything, let, letting them manage everything. It's going to end up, you're going to be a slave to the state. 
And so my argument is the roads of serfdom in America are an application of the socialist communist principle that the state owns everything. They have a monopoly on, on transportation, on freedom of movement, and you have to pay them to do that. So just briefly, Joel, do you think there would be chaos if the state got out of the business of registration and license. Now, if you buy a vehicle, for example, and they already have this. I worked at a car dealership briefly. Not my forte. But you can, people could voluntarily pay to upgrade to get special security tracking in their vehicle so that it, you know, it's, it's, it's marked to them. If someone steals it, uh, it, can be, it can be found easier. So getting rid of registration you know, doesn't mean that there can be no accountability for people's property. Right? We have lots of other things we don't have registration for. So just answer that briefly if someone says, well, there'd be chaos if the state was not involved. Because people say, well, if everybody did, didn't drive without a license, didn't drive registration, it'd be chaos. Well, basically what we're saying is if the state was not regulating this and giving driver's license, forcing you to even take a test to drive and registration, there would be chaos. Would there be chaos, Joel? Uh, sounds like, first of all, it sounds like a broad statement to me. <laughs> yeah. That's, there, there would be, how do you know? How do right. you know there would be chaos? You, you don't know that. You don't know that there might be less right. problems out there. You don't know. If, and so I want to answer that philosophically and statistically. First of all, statistically, um, I don't have statistics in front of me, but if the state, if it was true that, that um, all these rules cut down on accidents, I think we would hear about it somehow. I think we'd hear about some kind of uh, you know study that was done. You know, it's a, it's a little bit like these studies that are that are done about uh, getting guns out of it. You know, uh, off the street, right? And we never hear about less crimes being committed. Maybe some gun crimes, but not crimes overall. They keep going up. We don't hear about that. We hear, well, we've got less guns on the street. Well, hey, I'm le- I'm, I'm interested in less crime, right? But but no, that's not what they talk about. Uh, they keep on tracking down on truckers now. Uh, you you have to pay a lot of money. You have to go to to school to become a uh, pay four or five thousand dollars become a class A trucker now, right? And they've been cracking it down on truckers for a long time, making it more difficult for us to move goods. Mm-hmm. These are the people that have told us, Chris, that hey, we need to have the state in charge of roads so that everybody can drive one. Well, you're cracking. What are, what are you doing? Cracking down on truckers more and more and more. So I want to talk about that for, for a moment. Philosophically, how do you know that all you're cracking down on truckers and now you're going to force people to take a course and pay all this money and, and the, 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 the company hiring you is, is probably going to reimburse you, but it's, it's more money for the state and it's just harder. When I was um, in the concrete business um, years ago, uh, we had a lockout. I don't have to go into all the deals of lockout, but we had to lock out our, our concrete drivers. It takes about three years to become a, a, a good, solid concrete driver. I mean, it doesn't take that much to get it like from the plant to the, the location, but when you're in concrete, it's, it's that last hundred yards that are, that are a problem. Right. You're driving, driving through mud, weeds, all kinds of stuff, and, and, and yeah, it, it's, it's, it's difficult to do. Anyway, so it takes a while to learn. Well, when we, when we locked out our union drivers, we had to hire guys pretty much with no experience. And guys would come and they would just have finished their Class B license training, right? And they'd want to drive a concrete truck. And I felt terrible for them because they weren't in a condition to, to uh, drive a concrete truck. But they had their license. They had their license, though. Okay. Had their license, though. So according to the state, they're all good to go. We knew that they couldn't do it. 
Could we go out with them? They just they just couldn't. And who 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 in that in that situation who has the most interest in making sure that the trucks can be driven well? Yeah, that would be us. Right, the company, yeah, the private company. company. Yeah, right. because we have customers, you know, right. and they expect that their concrete, uh, you know, dumped in a certain spot at a certain time right. without overflowing. And um, you don't want your, so you want to keep your customers happy and you yep. don't want to destroy your trucks either. With someone yeah, driving it off, off the road. Yeah, and, and getting stuck, that's a big thing, right. getting stuck. We get a concrete str- truck stuck, depending on the situation, can be extremely costly. Sometimes it'll set up right in the drum and then you really have a problem on <laughs> your hands. Real problem. And in any case, and I would, and I worked with a, with a batch guy. He and I, you know, did our best to to run that particular plant. And we would say to each other at times, you know, all these guys with their licenses. You know, what we really want. I want a twelve year old farm boy. Uh, that, that's what I don't care about the license. A twelve year old farm boy being around this equipment right. and know what he's doing would be a lot more effective than all these people with their licenses. Right. So, I, you know, a- answering from that standpoint, can we agree? that um, the person with the biggest compelling interest is the people involved or are the people involved. Why do we need all these licenses? Why do we need all this registration and all this money to maintain the bureaucracy? Yeah, that's why we need it, to maintain the bureaucracy. Oh, yeah, right, right, yeah, yeah, and so if you had, let's say you had a 17-year-old who raised on the farm and comes to you guys and, and, and shows you right there in your lot, he can do hairpin turn, whatever, he, he can drive this vehicle. You can't hire him. No. To oh, drive no. your truck. Oh no, not us. No, right, no. right. Because the state does not approve it. So again, this is this is the road to serfdom. Let the state control everything. And this is what I want our hearers to understand that that's not loving our neighbor. That's not loving that's not loving neighbor in that case of that business that wants to serve their customers with the concrete that they want for their home or their business so they can serve others. And the state's coming in and saying, We're actually gonna do this better than you, and it ends up hampering you from serving your neighbor. Uh, absolutely. Uh, na- name me these bureaucratic uh, laws or, or, or codes that don't harm my ability to serve my neighbor. Right. And so, so there's no chaos in that situation. In fact, you could argue the other way, that the chaos is in uh, making this just kind of a jumping through government hoops and now you're good to go. And of course, in most every one of these situations where you have, we're going to make it a barrier to entry, whether it's in the medical field or in the transportation industry, People say, well, uh, that's, you know, these greedy capitalists. And they're, but the only reason, the only way the capitalism, capitalists, I should say, get involved is when they pervert capitalism and they go to the government and say, the lobbyists, I guarantee you the lobbyists that are arguing for barriers to entry into, me- into the medical field are not the people seeking medical treatment. They're the medical doctors that are already in there. Some of the good ones maybe wouldn't be doing this, but they're the ones that are arguing for we need more regulations on new new doctors coming in because we don't want the competition. So it's the same thing, you know. The trans, yeah, maybe the truckers will say, well, yeah, we 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 need all these regulations because we need to protect our trade. Yeah. It's not protect, protecting the trade. Yeah, you know, um, studying the French Revolution in Sunday school class a little bit, right. and their committee for public safety, right. right? And you know, this whole safety thing goes all the way back to the children of Israel coming out of Egypt. You know, we let, let's go back to the slavery where it was safe, they, they, they wanted to, to do that. And that's how it's, it's, it's always sold to us. It's sold to us as safety. We're going to require even more uh, barriers to entry in the name of safety. And just like you said, though, Chris, it's not, it's not about safety at right. all. It, it's about keeping your competition out of your life so that you can charge more because you have less competitors. Right. I was talking the other day, this is, the episode's not about drugs, which we, need, we still need to do one on that, but... 
The, you know, conservatives look at the gun issue, and, and they're right, and they'll say the problem's not, not the guns, it's the people. And I think they need to take that consistently. The, the issue is not the guns, it is the people. We need to punish the people if they murder people. Um, but then they'll, they'll reverse that when it comes to drugs, and they'll want to, you know, ban marijuana and all these things. And, and we can deal with abuse of certain things just like we could deal with the abuse of the gun. But we need to have a consistent principle that we apply across right. the board from the Bible, yep. and that is that the civil government should be punishing evil. Let's go to Romans 13 briefly, because I do want to talk about uh, a couple things here about this as we near a close. We still have a few minutes here. So Romans 13, all right, people are going to say, well, you just need to do whatever the government says. Well, first of all, Joel, I think that's impossible. I mean, 761 pages just for the vehicle code, not to mention all the other laws that are made every year. Um, there's no one out there that actually seriously means that. And I, I, I want to call people's bluff on that. Yes. When you say, oh, we have to obey whatever the government says, you don't believe that. Yeah. You don't believe yeah. that for one that, second. That's where we should start, right, right. there. You don't believe it, so, so don't, don't do that. Let's have a serious conversation here, and, and let, let's have you stop pretending right. that you obey every single law in the Federal Register, or even, like you say, in the, in the vehicle code. Right. That sounds easy, right? Bite size. Start with 761 pages. <laughs> right. <laughs> then we can move on. Right, so, so no, nobody does that, and there's a reason uh, why humanistic law is so burdensome and onerous. Uh, it's because we have put man in the place of God, and so we have codes, you know, on, on what, what food you can sell to your neighbor, you know, what, what kind of tires you need to have, all these things, right? How many animals you can have in your backyard. I mean, on and on and on it goes, and I've dealt with a lot of these things personally, uh, you know, at the time in Delaware, Oh, the, my midwife, the midwife who delivered several of our children, at least two or three of them, um, was committing a crime basically at, at the time um, because the state had regulated it so heavily that she was not licensed by the state to, take, to deliver it. Now, who had the most interest in the life of my children? The state who allows children to be murdered via abortion or me and my wife? who wanted to protect their children. So there's another example that, you know, I want, if someone's going to say we follow everything the government tells us to do, then I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm not going to print it out, but I'm going to get a digital copy of thousands and thousands and thousands of pages and hold them to that, yeah. to that claim. So I would invite anybody that wants to argue that, that the God has given the civil government authority to tell us anything at all, unless it's sin. Well, it's not sin to have a driver's license. It's not sin to go to the hospital and give birth. So therefore the state can tell you Midwives aren't allowed to do home birth. So I want you to defend that claim, and I want you to do it saying we, have, we should follow every single law the government tells us. Now, we as Christians, we should not be um, contentious in the sense that we're out there looking for a fight, but the government has, has picked... People say, why are, you, why are you making a big deal about the roads? Well, I'm not. The government did it. Yeah, yeah. The government is the one that said, if you don't pay us money, we're going to pull you over, and we're going to take it from you. Yeah, I like the no big deal people on this one, right? Wear a mask, it's no big deal. Right. Get a license, it's no big deal. Well, it's a big deal to somebody. Right. <laughs> You're going to be paying money if you don't. Right. Do. So it is already a big deal. Don't make it a big deal. No, it's already a big deal. I, I can't make it a big deal. Right. Yeah, exactly. So Romans 13, briefly, um, you know, Romans 13 talks about uh, that what the role of civil government is. It's to punish evil. It says in Romans 13, uh, three, for rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval. For he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain, for he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Okay, so that's the context here. And, and 
we've talked about it before. We can talk about it again. But specifically with this, Joel, if, you, if we read later in Romans 13, it talks about loving your neighbor and that love does no wrong to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. You get in your vehicle and you drive down the road to deliver a gift to your neighbor and you drive home. Have you committed evil? Have you done something bad? Biblically, we'd have to say no. You have not. And yet, you are the government is a terror to you in that situation because you have not followed their man-made legislation. And that's the point with Romans. There's much more we could say, but with Romans 13 specifically, uh, as it relates to this, what evil has been done? No, evil has been done, and yet we're going to, the government can punish you. And so I think that that is, you know, it would be a perversion of Romans 13 to say, therefore this means the government can make you follow any rule they want. They can make you get uh, a license plate every month if they wanted to, and if you didn't, they could fine you. Yeah, we don't ask the right questions here. We said, well, you know, if the government doesn't say you can't require a driver's license or that your midwife has to be, you know, you know, have a license or whatever, well, then it's not sin. Uh, let's ask this question. Is it sin then for the government to require that of you? Because they are clearly going beyond Romans 13. We just read, he doesn't bear the sword in vain. We're talking about capital offenses here. Why are we asking the question, what is the limits of the government? And is the civil magistrate sinning against God mm -hmm. if the civil magistrate goes beyond the limits of Romans 13. I, I, I just never hear anyone ask that. Instead, it's all, let's, it's, it's safe. And you know what? With our pastors trying to be safe, they're bringing us back to slavery, Chris. Mm -hmm. Because we see that slave, uh, safety-slavery connection with the children of Israel all the time. Coming out of Egypt, their, their, um, their choice, and you mentioned risk earlier on, their choice was freedom and risk mm -hmm. versus safety and slavery. We cannot afford for all that Christ has done for us on the cross, for all the freedom that he's given to us, we can't choose slavery and safety. Mm. And yet that's what we do when we give the government just more and more, and we just cede more and more authority to the state, and, and they're going to take it. They're going to take it from oh, us. Yeah. It's because we don't care. We, we are not interested in freedom under Christ. Shame on us. Right, yeah. That's, that's the issue that the, the risks... That we, there's always going to be risks in life. And when we, when we turn to the state as our God, we want, we want them to solve all our problems for us. And it ends up leading to slavery, as you mentioned, because we're, we're saying, hey, you, can you, you need to solve all these problems. If there's a, there should be, no, should be no harm done out there, and so you need to control everything. It doesn't work. There, is, there are evil people, and there is a solution to that. The civil government does not bear the sword in vain. They are to punish evil. But... We don't seem to be doing a very good job of that. Instead, we've created huge systems of bureaucracy and institutions where we're going we're to fine Pennsylvanians hundreds of thousands of dollars. We're going to make them pay all this, probably millions up front, because they don't want to be bullied. I mean, that's the only reason I have a driver's license and a registration. Right. It's because I don't want to be bullied by a police officer. Yeah, it's your peace offering is what yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. You, I don't want to be pulled over and fined for a non-evil act. Yeah. Uh, and so if someone who chooses not to do that... I, I, I think if we're going to, I can't critique them on principle. And I think Christians that are going to sit here and say, well, someone who drives without a license should be behind bars. And if, if everybody did this, there would be chaos. Your worldview has been shaped by humanism to a degree that you're probably not even aware of. Um, the, the law of the Lord is to be applied in society very specifically. And once you abandon 
the biblical framework, you have no grounds to say the government shouldn't do these things. And that's my problem with, with modern-day Republican Party, all actually throughout American history, is that they've abandoned biblical law, and then they're surprised when the government's going to say, we're going to electronically impound your car. Why are you surprised? You've given them the authority to do this. So, Yeah, you, you know, <laughs> coming off that just a little bit, I remember as a, as a kid... What my my I, I grew up in a house where the base someone's always going to the basement, right? There were tools down there, and someone's always making something or you know building something or whatever, right? Well, one day my brothers, I think my dad was involved too. I can't remember my brothers who were pretty hands-on mechanical types. They decided to get together to um, make a, a, a boat, right? Okay. And, and so they they, they had one by twos, as I recall. And they bent them, and they made themselves a little boat canoe-looking little thing, right? And I'm just a little kid, you know. I wasn't real mechanical myself, still not. But I thought it was kind of cool. So they wanted to take it out to French Creek State Park, right, and float it around. And I still remember as a kid, Chris, scratching my head because we had to get a little license for, for this. And I remember thinking, wait a second. We built it. We paid for it. What? What? What is actually going on here? And what we were doing was we were getting permission right. from the state to float the boat that we built. Right. And it's not right. I mean, again, give me the biblical principles from Romans 13 or wherever you want to go mm -hmm. of why the state has that authority. Mm -hmm. Do you get that from Romans 13? I sure don't. Right. I, I see capital offenses there. Mm -hmm. I don't see licensing for your boat. Right. And this is, what, this is the problem when, when the Christian church has abandoned biblical law and they've adapt, adopted the Enlightenment thinking that man is the measure of all things. Humanistic reason can figure out all this other stuff. Maybe we have the Bible over here for how to get to heaven, but man will figure out how to run society. Christ hasn't spoken to that. The Bible hasn't spoken to that. So, so they say, okay, we're going we're gonna to figure it out. Um, you have basically, you have no authority, no foundation anymore to argue against anything because there's it's just humanistic reason all it is is might makes right it's you know who can argue the best um basically the enlightenment thinkers they were they used reason to say well yeah there's a god that exists you know back in the 18th century but now they use human reason to say there is no god because there's no standard there but you mentioned boats i wanted to mention a couple other things um license and registration you know i think the amish from my understanding don't need that to operate their horse and buggies so what's going on there? You know, I mean, they took a stand. And, and so the people that, that want to say, well, you know, you're just nitpicking, Chris. I mean, this is not something to really be focused on. Well, it's not the only thing, and it's probably not the main thing. But again, we have to teach the whole counsel of God and apply it to every area of life. And if we don't see the implications of our Christian worldview in every area of life, because there's not one square inch of this planet that is not Christ the Lord's, then we are not doing a good job of taking every thought captive. So if we can't look at this situation and say, here's what the Bible says, and we can't speak to the magistrate and say, this is what Christ requires of you, we have a problem in the Christian church. Yeah, I, I'm convinced that, we're, we're, that, that we believe that the Bible, that, that Christ said, love the Lord your God with all your heart. Right. Not, not your soul, certainly not your mind. Right. Right? And, and all we're really trying to do here is love the Lord with our, with our mind. What does God say about the responsible, responsibilities of the civil magistrate? Are we supposed to ignore that? Well, then we are not loving the Lord our God with our mind right. at that moment. So the, the Amish, I think, got, got they said, no, we're, we don't want that. We're taking a stand and, um, for whatever reasons. And 
a lot of these people today will say, well, you know, you shouldn't make a big deal about this. Well, again, I know at least two groups that are making a big deal about it. Number one, the civil government that's going to take your, take your car potentially from you. And number two, pretty, the, pretty big deal. And number two, the Amish who said, no, we don't want to submit to this. Um, and really, there's no logical reason why the government shouldn't be forcing them to do the same thing. Yeah, well, yeah why not? What, what's the difference? Yeah. And so what, we saw this. Bureaucracy needs money, by the way. So. Right. Eventually, I mean, and that's, there are a lot of these, you know, the Amish are continually running up this, against the same things that the non-Amish are that are concerned about it is government overreach. So, which this is government overreach. I mean, that's the definition of it's going beyond what you can't even have the word overreach if you don't have a standard. And that's right. the problem with these right. Republicans and even conservative Christians who say, oh, it's too far what the government right. did with the masks. Oh, it's too far if the government's going to electronically impound your vehicle. Why? Yeah. Why is it too far? On what principle could we say, Joel, that you shouldn't need a license and registration to walk on the sidewalk? Sure. On what principle? State property, the right. sidewalk, right. they maintain it. Okay, we'll say, well, you don't have a, an, okay, what about a skateboard? What about a bicycle? you know, a scooter, rollerblades. There is no consistent principle. And the only reason that all this stuff is done is because of the money. It's, it's the same thing with Amos Miller. We talked about it many, many times on here. The state does not care about justice. They care about power and control. And so Amos Miller can butcher all the water buffalo he wants until some legislator in Harrisburg or D.C. says, oh, you can't do that unless it's regulated. Same thing here. There's no consistent principle because they've abandoned Christ and his law, and now it simply is power. And so these, these, these pastors and other Christian leaders who say, well, oh, the state went too far with the masks, or the state's going too far with, with this aspect, on what basis can you say it's too far? You, you've given up that there's any, there's any standard. And so we have the standard in God's Word, Romans 13, which is amazing that people use that passage and pervert it in that way. It's clearly laying down what the authority is. And in verse 10, it says, Love does no wrong to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. So the state is to enforce that law. And so how is the state punishing you when you've, when you've done no wrong to a neighbor fulfilling Romans 13? It doesn't make any sense. What we're up against here is a faith commitment here, Chris. Because people that put their, their, their faith in the state that have a problem with God's law, all they're doing is saying, I have faith in man's law. And you know what's going to let you down every single time? Oh, it's real high-sounding things like, well, yeah, then everybody, blah, blah, blah. Everybody gets to walk on the sidewalk, whatever. Everybody gets protection. Uh, let's wear a mask so that we can save everybody. Then, right. then we have the riots, right? And they're not wearing masks, and they're not social distancing, right? right. And then the same state that, that's, that's telling us to love our neighbor, and we'll tell you how to love your neighbor, all of a sudden it doesn't apply. Your faith in man will let you down. It, you... you Embrace the law of God. It's a wonderful law. Read Psalm 119. Embrace it. Because that's the consistent law. If you're all about the state, the state give that up. Because they will let you down. They will destroy you. I, I want to I read a quick verse. Romans 13, right? Do whatever the state says, right? Well, the guy who wrote, wrote Romans 13 kind of knows what he was talking about, right. right? And he has this little comment for the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians. Um, in Damascus, the governor under Aretas, the king, kept the city of Damascus with a garrison desirous to apprehend me. And through a window and a basket was I let down by the wall and escaped his hands. This is the guy that wrote Romans 13. So maybe you're going to want to like give yourself a little contextual knowledge right. when you go to interpret it here. Right. Yeah, yeah, Paul, and there's another case where Paul, um, the, the government says, okay, Paul, you can go. You're, you're free to go. Yeah. And he says, no, I'm not going. 
Um, and so why didn't he obey the government there? Yeah. It wasn't sin for him to leave the prison at that point. Right. He, he, he took a stand and said, you don't, what you did is wrong, and I'm not going to listen to you here because I'm, I'm going to testify to, to the truth and righteousness. So, again, I just want consistency in the church, first of all. If you're going to abandon God's law as a standard, then you have no basis to complain about or remonstrate against increasing government regulations. You know what? It's not a complaint about justice. It's a complaint about irk. I'll convenience, say. yeah. Yeah, convenience. Yeah. I, I, I'm okay with these other things, but I'm right. not okay with this one. You're inconvenienced me. Right. Well, how's that a standard? Right. D- don't appeal to justice then. Just appeal to your own comfort. Right. Your own convenience. Yeah, and that if that's your standard, you will never accomplish anything. You'll, you'll, you'll never uh, affect change in society. How can you love your neighbor? Right. You know, it's about my convenience. Right. Yeah, what about the convenience Where, of your neighbor? neighbor? Yeah, what about the convenience of the neighbor? More importantly, what about justice for the neighbor? And if we are going to sit here and say that Christ does not have a word to say about the state punishing my neighbor for driving down the road and committing no harm, no evil, doing no wrong, then we got a problem if we're going to say the Bible doesn't speak to that. Um, we might as well, let's just become Marxists and yeah. let's, let's adopt the Enlightenment thinking that the Bible does not apply to anything in the real world. And that's what, that's what, that's what Marxism was. is basically, uh, you know what, we're going to take this Enlightenment thinking to its conclusion. Christ is not Lord uh, over earth, and this is what you get. And so I want people to think about this, and I would challenge anybody who wants to discuss this or debate this to contact me and come in. Oh, uh, that, would be, that would be wonderful, because what we're saying here is that we, we are putting limits on the Bible. It doesn't really speak to life. But, but Peter said, but Peter said he, we have given everything life and godliness. And what's going on in our churches here is, well, we're only going to talk about godliness. We're not going to talk about life. Right, right. So uh, much more we could say here, but again, the roads of serfdom, what we see in, in this state and in America is a system not built on biblical law, but built on humanistic law, really even communist ideas, that the government is going to own this and control it and regulate it. And if we can't see that as Christians, if we see that, if we see someone out there doing no harm to a neighbor, and, but without a registration, and our reaction is, oh, that's, that's bad, that's evil, that's, that person should be behind bars. We are doing what Isaiah condemns. We're calling that which is good evil and that which is evil good. And if we can't recognize that, why in the world would we expect the civil magistrates to do it? I mean, if, we, if, the, if the church can't understand what justice is, how can we expect the civil magistrates to do it? And that's what happened, I mean, for generations and generations in this nation. I would say going way back, the church dropped the ball on that. They adopted, adopted enlightenment thinking and said, we're not going to speak to the magistrate. You guys figure it out over there. And now I think some people are starting to wake up. And I think it kind of started to happen after World War II. And they're like, well, wait a minute. Uh, we're going a little too far here. Well, it's too little too late. And the church now needs to wake up and say, okay, we're not going to compromise anymore. We're not going to go to Romans 13 and use Romans 13 to support a humanistic system. That's not what it's teaching. So final word for you, Joel, on, uh, on this issue of, of the roads. You know, it, it, are, we, are we nitpicking here, Joel? What's the point of this? Is it, you know, why does this matter? I mean, again, this is not something we talk about, but why are we even spending any time talking about this? Um, and how does, it, how does it honor Christ to talk about something like this? Chris, do you care about your name? Do you care about the future? Mm-hmm. That, that's what this is about. Okay. Um, you know, this is another topic, I'm sure, but Romans 
I want to make a distinction between a, a, a declarative statement and an imperative sentence, if you will. Right. You know, Romans 13, 34, rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. This is what a ruler is, says Paul, mm-hmm. a terrorizer of those who do evil works. Now, he's not saying that's what they should be. He's not saying, well, you know, uh, you know, and, and all their other bureaucratizing stuff while they're, while they're writing fines for people who parked in the handicapped parking lot or whatever. Uh, while they're doing that, oh, by the way, uh, try to be a terror to, to do even. No, no, no. He's saying that's what you are. Mm-hmm. And we have to ask the question, well, if they're not that, are they a legitimate ruler? It's a fair question to ask. I know everybody's getting all nervous there, and like, oh no, and clutching our pearls. Right. What are we saying? Hey, it's what, it's what the Bible says. Can we at least ask the question here? Right. Well, and it's even a question that even some of the early American founders, who were already kind of wandering a little bit, I would say a lot, some of them, but even they were willing to ask that question. Sure. Yeah. If you're not doing your job as someone protecting, you know, just or enforcing justice, do we have an obligation to obey you? But to your point. Do we care about our neighbor? Do we care about the future? Um, obviously, this was an issue that uh, a lot of people care about. The government cares about it. The Amish cared about it. Now people are saying, oh, uh, we don't want the government controlling our, our, our cars electronically. Well, unless you're going to come over to the side of biblical law, you are part of the reason we're going in that direction. So if you care about the future and your children's future and freedom, right? Again, these are just, oh, yeah, the conservatives are about freedom. If you really be about freedom, you'd be saying, you know what, let's get rid of these man-made laws that are propping up this system that are preventing you from having the freedom to travel. So, Yeah. Um, can I just go to Psalm 119? Yes. Just very, very quickly here. I yep. wasn't going to do this, so you'll excuse me while I grab my glasses here and go to Psalm 119. should be easy to find. It's the longest chapter in the Bible. Well, while you're looking for that... Um, if you want more information on Pastor Joel and uh, his ministry there at Independence Reformed Bible Church, go to irbc.church. Uh, and then also there's a website, futureofchristendom.org. I'm going to put a link in this description to the podcast you did with John, John and Luke on the roads um, because I think that would pair nicely with this to people to start thinking about this. So Psalm 119. Yeah, um, Psalm 119. Oh, I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Um, Quick thought experiment, and, and someone pointed this out to me just the other day. Quick thought experiment. If you ever hear your pastor talk about from Psalm 119, w- watch how the, uh, the how difficult the L word is, right? right. It, 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 it can start with law. Oh, I love your law. But it goes in his eyes, law, and comes out of his mouth, word. Hate that L word. Just, right. just it's, it's the L word. Oh, no. Okay, but listen. Um, and through your commandments, make me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever with me. Okay. I have more understanding than all my teachers. So we're talking about enemies and teachers for your, medita- your testimonies over meditation. I understand more than the ancients because I keep your precepts. Hmm. Now, what do you want? Do you, do you want the word, the changing word, the loose leaf, note, the flexible word of man? Or do you want the law word of God? This is serious business here, my friends. This... It, what do you want? Because God's law is perfect. And you call yourself a Christian, you have a problem with God's law, and you rather have man's law, you better check where you're at, my friend. Yeah, yeah. We all need to consider that. And at the end of the day, we are not sent, we, our position is, if you follow God's law, and if you implement that, there will be less chaos, less evil in society. 
that's a broad statement I will stand on because it's in the Word of God. If you punish evil swiftly, there will be less men with their hearts set on doing evil. And so, but if you're punishing for non-evil, what's going to happen then? And that's what we have in America. I want people to think about that. Okay, the Bible says if you don't punish the evil acts swiftly, people are going to commit more evil. I mean, that's kind of basic, but it seems like our government doesn't understand that. But on the other side, what happens when the government punishes the non-evil acts? Well, the Bible talks to the wicked ruler. So that's what's happening now. That's what's happening with this. I'll challenge anyone who disagrees with this and wants to have an open discussion on it that if we removed the driver's licenses and registrations and we had an actual system of true justice there, that things would, would uh, reduce to chaos. I heartily disagree, and I challenge anyone to, to come in and talk about that. We have to take every thought captive, Pastor Joel, to the obedience of Christ, right? Including the roads. Well, who was it that said, you know, there's not, I kind of paraphrased it, there's not one square inch of this earth that Christ doesn't cry over that, that it's his, right? It was Kuiper. Kuiper, think, right? Yeah. So does that include the roads? Or, or, or does, does, is there an exemption there because the civil government runs them? So Christ is Lord of the roadways, uh, and it's either going to be you know, Christ's roads or the roads of serfdom. And uh, they are his, and so we can either speedily repent and honor him on the roadways, or we can invite his judgment, which is what we're doing. And uh, the really sad thing is that there are many professing Christians that are right there with the humanist state, saying, you belong behind bars if you don't do what we say on the road, even though you're not doing evil. So may God grant us a, a reformation of thought that we would not uh, support such thinking. So, Joel, thank you so much for your time. Hey, thanks for yeah, having me. I hope this was helpful. Um, again, a serious issue that a lot of people say you shouldn't talk about, and yet you shouldn't make a big deal, and yet they will make a big deal about it if you talk about it. So uh, we got we to do some thinking here, Joel. We need to, we need to think. Uh, we need to think and reform, as uh, your other podcast is titled. So, yeah, check that out. For more information on the Lancaster Patriot, go to LancasterPatriot.com. Until next time, God bless and Godspeed. <laughs>